0: Welcome to Screen Tom Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Thomas Parham, and this is our special Ho Ho Holiday Movie episode. With me, as always, I have Ryan Barnes, a.k.a. RCB.
1: Whoop, whoop.
0: Host of the RCB podcast, B-roll podcast, and we also have returning guests whom we don't have on enough because he teaches a lot, uh, Ryan Isay, a.k.a. Risey
1: happy
0: holidays right on and a new guest who's a buddy of mine uh we used to go to the same church in la ecclesia church in hollywood which is redundant because ecclesia is greek for church zach hamill all the way from chile minnesota hello 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 okay so um oh boy for our what the film and this is really the what the film of all what the film topics Yesterday, well, we, we talked a little bit last week that uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran are the new heads of DC Studios for Warner Brothers Discovery, and yesterday they announced after uh, Henry Cavill's triumphant return in a cameo uh, appearance at the uh, mid credit scene of Black Adam, and he was allowed to say, I'm back as Superman, yesterday, not so fast and uh yeah i'm too depressed to talk about this so i'm going to tag in rcb
2: i mean this was not this was not the scenario i thought was going to happen i thought they were going to try and just start restructuring with the actors that worked from what existed of the dc extended universe but if i'm going to be completely honest i i if they're given the mandate that they want to create an interconnected universe with all of the DC characters it's really kind of a giant mess to try and piece together all of the things that the DCEU has done so far because they none of them feel like they actually connect to each other all that much aside from the Zack Snyder driven projects and then the loose connections between other characters because like you have Shazam and black Adam, both with movies who are integral characters in each other's stories. And it wasn't a kicking off point to really have them interact. Obviously they would have gotten to it down the road if this were continuing. But for me, I really liked Henry Cavill as Superman in in theory on paper, there was just never a moment where I saw him in a movie and I'm like, I really, really love this interpretation. It was always I saw potential and I was excited to finally get to see that potential. But I'm I'm pretty confident right now that for what they're trying to do to try and create a cohesive interconnected story, which I think James Gunn and Peter Saffron are capable of doing it doesn't really make sense to keep everything that's been going because as um accepted by the fans as a lot of these portrayals are by a lot of the actors for it's DC has felt cursed for a while like for every Henry Cavill and Jason Momoa you have an Ezra Miller and an Amber Heard it, <laughs> it, 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 it just kind of feels like they would benefit from a hard reset with the intention of, okay, we're going to build up our main six justice league heroes. Then we will eventually get into the stuff that James Gunn built his superhero career on doing the oddball characters. So like, yes, I'm, I'm bummed that we don't get to see more of these actors because I thought they did really well, but for what they're trying to do, I understand. And I'm honestly, more excited to see what James Gunn and Peter Safran have planned than anything Marvel Studios has announced three years down the road after Ant-Man 3. I just have no investment at this point. I'm burnt out.
0: Yeah, I you know, I wish I could share your enthusiasm. I don't. Um, When I read that Gunn, the Superman script Gunn is working on, takes him back to his early days of the Daily Planet, yeah, nobody wants that. Seriously, nobody wants that. I don't need another quasi-origin story. Everybody knows Superman's origin, and we've seen him at the Daily Planet. It's like, that's not what... I mean, yes, he's a reporter, but going back to the early years, I mean, that doesn't interest me. I'm sorry. That doesn't sound very cinematic. It's just... Uh, I'm going to tag in... I'm going to tag in Zack before I tag in Ryze, because... Uh, it makes me very angry. As I look at the Marvin the Martian Lego figure one of my students gave me, because I did that in class one too many times. <laughs> and there was supposed to be an
3: earth-shattering kaboom. Um, it's always the line I think of with Marvin the Martian.
0: Um, uh, that that was Black Adam's box office. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, man. I uh, I feel like I, I don't have a dog in this fight i will say that i i'm very curious because i do like the way that james gunn tells stories um so hopefully i don't know i it's it's interesting because i don't know there's something kind of subversive to the way he tells stories that i don't know is necessarily what superman certainly what superman needs no (laughs) And uh, yeah, I don't. I yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, may, better than Zack Snyder, perhaps. You know, uh, there's there's some subversion there as well. <laughs> um, Here,
0: here's my take on Zack Snyder: great yeah. visuals, don't let him write.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yep. Rise, how about you?
1: I mean, well, I I, I agree with RCB definitely in that Marvel is boring me that they are i'll just say i'll just i'll make my usual generic statement of disney is great at making money and very very poor at creativity and we've fallen into the what makes money rut for them so dc is where i look for some kind of at least you don't know what you're gonna get. You could get Suicide Squad. You could get Suicide Squad. It's kind of you never know what you're gonna get.
0: Um, <laughs> you could get Suicide and, and Squad. You could get the Suicide Squad. <laughs>
1: exactly. And, and as far as James Gunn goes, you know, I, I think he's done some interesting things. I think the Peacemaker uh, TV show is actually pretty enjoyable. Which, if Do they I see him being the right fit for superman no i don't am i glad that this possibly means we won't get a well it might happen anyway and another variation but i wasn't looking forward to a black adam superman showdown primarily because the rock is another person that i'm very bored of maybe if he didn't have it so regularly in his contract that he can never lose a fight in any of his movies there would be something at stake but
0: he's got that just, in his contract
1: a lot of his contracts yeah i know every fast and the furious movie he can it's not even like oh he gets beaten and he you know overcomes it and then later wins the final battle he can never lose any fight in those movies well that's so, boring what's the point it's and it, it for someone that was in the wrestling world you think you would understand like that you need to have at times you lose, so then you can win later. He's so worried about his muscle image at this point. He's bland. It's boring to watch like, yeah, he just boxed off his gold, but he's also box office boredom for me. <laughs> so the reveal at the end of black Adam for me, just, uh, you know, while I get the excitement of Superman and Cavill, uh, you know, re- returning and whatnot. it it, it was, it was a little bit of an eye roll moment for me because I I kind of just saw where this was going. It just, it it was going to be another, um, you know, they fight and then, oh, it's a showdown, but neither one of them loses and they both join forces and fight another big bad. I could always, you know, I could see the whole structure of whatever film that was before it even had been announced. So I, I I'm curious. I, I should say that I'm curious, whereas the Marvel stuff, I I will watch it all. I will enjoy the popcorn entertainment of it, but I'm not curious because I know what I'm going to get. So it's it has me wondering what's going to happen, but that doesn't mean that I think it's going to be good. What's going to happen?
2: Well, the other thing with the, specifically the announcement that James Gunn is writing a Superman movie, I think it's very key to pick up on the fact that he did not say he's directing this movie which I think is the big thing that James Gunn is probably only going to direct the things that he's really really passionate about which are the peacemaker suicide squad kind the of stuff characters but he is also with Peter Saffron kind of the the shepherds of where this story is going so I would imagine he's going to have some creative input on a lot of the scripts going forward
0: I just, you know, the for my money, the things, you know, Gal Gadot works as Wonder Woman. This yes. version of Aquaman with Jason Momoa works. This version of Superman with Henry Cavill works. We didn't get to see, I, I like Batfleck. I thought he was interesting, you know, making, you know, obviously making Batman the first hero versus Superman flouts, you know, comic book history as well as, you know, the, D, the the standard DCU timeline. But they just made so many tactical mistakes. I mean, pull, va- trying to pole vault into Justice League from Batman v Superman, killing Superman in his second appearance, that was just dumb. Dumb. We never got a proper Man of Steel sequel. I mean, Shazam's getting the sequel. and We never got a proper Man of Steel sequel because they rushed into the team-up movie because they had Marvel envy. I just don't see could I, could i be pleasantly surprised sure i could but i'm just call me cynical and i hate to be cynical but you know <laughs> i'm just you know boo <laughs> when i got the new when i got the article news I, I i texted rcb and then put boo underneath the, the link so anyway of course i will watch them all what's really sad though is they've got basically four dead on arrival movies coming out next year You've got Shazam 2, you've got The Flash, which Ezra Miller needs therapy, the Lord, and probably some jail time. And um, then we have uh, uh, Blue Beetle, which could be fun. And then Aquaman 2. And then that's the end of the DCEU as we know it. And it's just weird. Peacemaker technically can't tie. What's it going to tie? Is it just going to be isolated by itself? Because it exists in the DCEU. Are you going to keep. Are you gonna keep Viola Davis as uh, Amanda Waller? Mm. Are you gonna go back to Angela Bassett? <laughs> Who knows? And more important, I think so many you know longtime fans like me are just like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> throwing up their hands in disgust and surprise me. But one one of the one of the chiefs on my ship, Jerry Gilley, used to uh, when I met him. And I think the first time I had watched with him in Combat Information Center, he said, Mr. Parm, I'm an optimist, not a pessimist. I'm a pessimist, not an optimist. That way I'm never disappointed, only pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so that's the way I feel about this. And let's move on to the good stuff. Christmas movies, woo! Um, Zach, you are a first timer, so we'll let you go first. Uh, ground rules. I think that probably It's a Wonderful Life And um it's a wonderful life and a Christmas story will probably be on most of our lists. So let's just acknowledge those corporately so we can get to some of the cool eclectic stuff. Fair enough?
3: Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a wonderful life is totally like top of my list. So um and actually a Christmas story is uh I don't really like a Christmas story. Oh wow, I saw it too late in life, and I just—it was sort of like I didn't grow up, you know what I mean? It's like one of those things, like if you watch The Goonies too late, and you're just like, oh, I think I missed something. That's me. Um,
0: I watched Goonies too late.
3: Yeah, I also yeah. watched The Goonies too late. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I guess I get, I get why people like this. I just don't. <laughs> but, <that's, laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, this is a great opportunity because uh, I, I pulled out a stack of Christmas movies from my uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, and I was even like kind of the oddball ones. And I was like, like, oh yeah, I guess technically
1: Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's yeah, also no, terrible. I, uh, do, we de- <laughs> do we determine Christmas movies by the fact that they're set during Christmas though? Because that's the age will die hard debate. And, and I think that, that that is a debate that at some point needs to die. Oh yeah. yeah, It needs to die really hard.
0: The uh, the movie. Um yeah. For uh, because because the actual name of the episode is Ho Ho Holiday Movies, they do not have to be Christmas movies because there is a Thanksgiving movie that is a favorite of mine. Um mm. But there are some other I mean there are other holidays as well. But face it, you know yeah. Ind- Independence Day is as much about Fourth of July as it was about a plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continue Zach.
3: Um, yes. Uh so um yeah, here's my list. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start from the bottom. Uh, yeah, I guess, well, these are in no particular order, I guess. Um, some mainstays, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, um, is, uh, is one that's becoming more and more popular, uh, every year for our family. Well, not our whole family, not our children. Our children are too young.
0: I Um, hope so. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Um, let's see, I would throw Batman Returns in there. Um, speaking of Batman, um, which I know is sort of like, it's set at Christmas time, but I already made the list, so too bad. Um, <laughs>
0: uh,
3: and by the same token, uh, I would throw Catch Me If You Can in there, because it's there's uh, many Christmas scenes in it, like they, the Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks characters always seem to run into each other around Christmas time, and I get a Christmas feeling while watching that movie. And I would, so I would lump that in.
1: I was um, in that, so I'll let that one pass. That, that one gets it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, uh, also, uh, Home Alone, Home
3: Alone. I love Home Alone. I, I love it for all the reasons that it exists. Uh, all the stories behind it. Um, the fact, uh, well, my favorite scene in the movie being the the scene in the chapel, um, with the the old the old man in the neighborhood who everyone believes is a serial killer, but is actually a sweet guy. Um, and then, of course, leading up to the traps, uh, all the all the shenanigans with the burglars. And I showed it to my eight year old uh, for the first time this year, and uh, just loved it. Loved it. Um, so that was very fun to kind of relive some of that magic. And then, uh, for my last pick, um, I'm going to say Miracle on 34th street and not because
0: the original, of course, the original,
3: and not because I think it's a perfect movie, but I think it has some really perfect scenes. And, uh, like in particular, the scene that always gets me is when there's the little, uh, the little Dutch girl who comes and, is is new and and the fact that santa speaks dutch and that they they have this nice sweet moment where they're singing this dutch song together it just it just melts me every time um and then uh can i do a runner-up yes absolutely okay so uh so this is this would be an interesting double feature. I'm a fan of the filmmaker Curtis Hansen, who's no longer with us. Oh, um, I
0: miss Curtis Hanson. Yeah, yeah.
3: His, what an interesting career too. Um, did you ever see
0: like, In Did you ever see In Our Shoes?
3: Yes, I loved In Our Shoes. Oh my gosh.
0: So who, who'd have thunk that the guy the dude who co wrote LA Confidential and directed it yeah. could make an amazing chick flick? <laughs> i loved it I it's thought, a great yeah it was it was better than it had any right to be that um, scene with um that scene with shirley MacLaine and um cameron diaz playing cards wow yeah. wow oh, man
3: yeah that's a good one i'll have to watch that one again um but uh yeah so my my curtis hansen christmas double feature would be la confidential which there's the whole bloody christmas sequence um and then uh, he wrote a film that starred Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer playing against type as a bad guy, uh, where he played a Santa Claus who robbed a bank, Christopher Plummer did, and Elliot Gould is sort of this meek bank teller, and the movie is called The Silent Partner, and Curtis Hansen wrote it, and it it is, it's, this isn't necessarily a recommendation, but it's bonkers, like it's just so... Yeah, it's just so out there. At least watch the trailer.
0: Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah.
3: So those are my runners up.
0: Excellent. Anybody have any thoughts on uh, Zach's list?
1: It's a, those are some solid picks. I, you know, I, I, there's a few that I I don't automatically think of as Christmas movies, like Batman Returns, but uh, there are some great. Christmas sequences in there, like what's the uh, um like the beauty queen that's that gets kidnapped and yes and killed? I can't remember what her name was in the movie. Like hmm. they have a title for her, right? Um, and the like lighting of the tree where all the bats come out. So I mean, yeah, not not my first like instinct to think of that, but I have a few of those. That's kind of fun when you have those ones that you don't think of automatically, but you try and watch them in the middle of summer you're like wow this is a holiday film this is a lot right now (laughs) yeah
3: yeah yeah that's a that's a that's a fun one well i don't know i don't know if it's a fun one it's (laughs) a very dark one um but but yeah it kind of came out you know when i was when i was 12 and so like i don't know i associate it pretty strongly with with Christmas and, and actually snowed here today and, and there's like something about like the wet heavy snow that reminds me of the wet heavy snow and <laughs> parts of that movie. Anyway, it's kind of a whole thing, but um yeah. I rewatched it recently and it uh I'm like, well my kids are never watching this. Um uh <laughs> but but I thought it was very fun <laughs> that they did something completely different.
0: Rise, your turn.
1: Um, I guess I'll start with the obvious ones first, just because mm-hmm. um, you know why not? Uh, I, I love Elf. I think the first time I saw Elf, I was you know I thought this is this is a modern Christmas classic. It, it it's it's still one that I enjoy. It's got a nice amount of like silliness and heartwarming moments, and uh, Zoe Deschanel singing and yeah, I enjoy that one. That one I don't get tired of, and um. It's another, um, I guess, another obvious one, or at least obvious to me, is Holiday Inn. I love Holiday Inn. That's a great one. Um, I, If I can't say It's a Wonderful Life, then I would say The Shop Around the Corner, another mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart holiday-themed film, uh, romance. Most people are probably more familiar with Who's Got Mail, which is not holiday-themed, but it's the same story. They just updated it with email you've got mail uh
0: so and it's also um was adapted into a broadway musical she loves me
1: oh i didn't realize that oh yeah
0: it's uh i I saw the 90s revival and then there was a more recent revival with zach levi in uh as as uh the male lead
1: oh very cool dude's got an
0: amazing voice by the way
1: And while I'm talking about romantic comedies, i you know I think Love Actually is an obvious one. I enjoy it. I would also add the holiday to that. I like that one as well. I think it's a little more grounded than Love Actually. Um, I'm just a fan of, of of romance films in general, and then the holiday romance ones are, are, are good. So I'm, I'm going with the the light-hearted ones first. Now we're gonna get into the darker stuff. Oh, you oh
0: <laughs> you've done fine. So you you got more.
1: Oh yeah, I, I I'm sorry. I I didn't limit myself to five, so <laughs> okay. I'm breaking all rules. Um, I just uh, I, I'm writing these
0: so, down, so if we. Uh...
1: I, I I didn't I guess I didn't see the five part so I just wrote down a list. It's of in the
0: part. rundown, dude. I
1: know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize I, I had to limit myself to five, so I would probably switch the order around because um, I'm they, not doing these in any general order. I, I
0: always part. put stuff in alphabetical order because you know, in a, saying oh this one's better than that one. <laughs>
1: that makes sense. Well, there's a few that I haven't mentioned that I would I would a couple that i have mentioned off i was just going from like obvious to lighthearted to now the darker ones for me the debate that i have more often than the diehard debate is whether or not nightmare before christmas is a christmas movie or a halloween movie i say it's It's both it's both but i think it's primarily a christmas movie because it's set during christmas Mm -hmm. halloween only takes up a very small portion is it a dark themed you know a a horror themed christmas movie sure but it's a christmas movie in my opinion first and foremost Mm -hmm. um so i won't i won't say i'll i'll just i'll leave just uh the one two more that i want to mention because i think they're another dark one and then one that i think is just a sleeper that not many our people are aware of and the dark one the other one Which is especially fitting now that the violent night, or a violent night, violent night, sorry, no uh, preface to that, just came out. So everyone's talking about it being like Home Alone or being like Die Hard. Are you you going to say
0: Bad Santa?
1: No, I'm not going to say Bad Santa (laughs) because it is also like that. I'm going to actually say a a more obscure one, a French horror movie called Dial Code Santa Claus.
0: Dial Code Santa Claus
1: also released as Game Over, also released as Deadly Games. It's about a guy dressed as Santa Claus that breaks into the house of a like um, a woman that owns a mall. So he gets fired and then he goes and breaks into her house. And her son, home alone in the house or with the grandfather, thinks it's the actual Santa Claus. And when he sees Santa Claus kill his dog, has to fight back against what he thinks is actually Santa Claus when it's just a psychopath dressed as Santa Claus. It's like home alone, but an R rated horror version of it. And it's, mm-hmm. I know not what you would typically put on for your holiday entertainment, but, uh, it's surprisingly effective. Uh, not as maybe a, a feel good Christmas movie, but yeah, it fits in, in the Darker area of the holiday themed films, and the last one I have to mention, even if these last two are just you know uh, my honorable mentions, it, this would actually have been on the top five is Joya Noël. It's another French film. It's about the true events uh, during World War One when the uh, Scottish, German, and French armies all stopped the Christmas ceasefire. Eve. Yeah, the ceasefire. That movie is amazing. That movie. Needs to be seen by more people. It is such a good movie.
0: Joyeux Noël. There's a there's a there's a a version of the same of of similar events. I think it's called uh, Midnight Clear or something like that with like British troops and German troops. Um,
1: I've seen that one too. I think the French one. This one is a little bit better personally, but yeah, same. Yeah, I just it's it, it. it's not a war movie. It's set during war, but it's you know the characters, the relationship, the music, everything about it. I just love that movie. I think more people should see it.
0: Cool, cool. RCB. We will, By the way, we will have time to extol the virtues of "It's a Wonderful Life," and for those of us who do like a, uh, a Christmas story, at the end of uh, when we get done with our personal lists, RCB.
2: So this actually ended up being kind of harder for me to figure out because as i was going back and thinking about it i didn't grow up on a lot of christmas movies as much as i did christmas specials like Mm. like rudolph and frosty and all of that kind of stuff so when i started thinking about movies i mean we obligatorily those of us who like it address a Christmas story because that's the earliest memory I have of like, this is the movie we watch every year at Christmas time. And then 2003 rolled along and elf became another reoccurring thing that we watch all the time. I, I, like rise, I said, I love the comedy of that movie. I just think it's hilarious. It's also something where I'm like, I I would almost prefer to see Jon Favreau go back and do more of stuff like Elf and Chef and kind of like off in his own
0: world. Off-beat stuff instead of the factory uh, Marvel Marvel, uh, Star Wars stuff? Yeah, because like Iron
2: Man, the first one, is good. After that, he kind of becomes less and less involved as a director and more as an actor. And this isn't a Marvel thing, but um, I, I, I love so Christmas Story and Elf were like the two that for the longest time are ones that really um, are like quintessentially Christmas for me back in 2019, the third movie that started becoming this reoccurring thing for me was a Netflix animated film called Klaus. Oh, yeah, yeah. so good. Which I, I, I just really like this movie. It's, it's, I don't go in judging movies for familiar plots because like every story has been told already. So it's just about, okay, how do you dress it up? How is the execution of it? And JK Simmons as a giant Santa really works. And Jason Schwartzman works in this typical, like out for his own self, but eventually his heart gets melted and becomes someone who cares about other people. I just really, really loved that. This was kind of on the tail end of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, starting to see more variation in animation again. Not mm. everything looking like we're trying to be photorealistic or we're trying to copy Pixar. So I I just really like the movie. And it's also just, there aren't a whole lot of Netflix films that end up on like a list of things that I really love. So when one happens, I I, I, I get excited about that.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: aside from those um it's gitchy and dated in a lot of ways but i i really enjoy white christmas i grew up doing musical theater i love the kind of feel of the performance elements of that but the thing that really gets me which i didn't this didn't happen when i first watched it but the last several times i've watched it the scene where the general comes out in his uniform and all of the men from his old company came to
1: Mm -hmm. support
2: him. And when he's just overwhelmed by that, I start crying because it's just so moving. So that, that movie has a lot of things that I really like and piggybacking off of Zach, I really love the original miracle on 34th street. The scene with the Dutch girl is, um, really beautiful but i also just loved like the novelty of the whole plot of hey we're just going to tell people to go to another store and they're going to think we're treating them so well they're just going to come back and spend more money with us i'm like this is silly but also why can't this work but also i know why this can't work and it's it's just a really life-affirming movie on top of a heartwarming story and I also love the scene where they're just bringing in the bags upon bags of envelopes and just dropping them in front of the judge. So those would probably be the ones where I'm like, those are my favorites. I know that's only four without a Christmas story. I was going to
0: say, so a Christmas story would be in there.
2: A Christmas story would definitely be in there for me. If I had to leave that out and pick something else, there are things I remember, like, I remember being a kid going to see Robert Zemeckis' Polar Express. It does not hold up nearly as well now that I'm older, but I still remember being taken.
0: The creepy kids have doll eyes. Ah!
2: The thing that I remember is um, I I think that was one of the first movies I ever saw in IMAX. So the scenes that are shot like it's a roller coaster of them not being able to stop the train, those are still vividly in my head um and thinking that was cool because it felt like a ride in a movie theater i haven't seen it enough times but every time i've watched it i love um muppets christmas carol i also grew up on the shorter mickey and scrooge mcduck christmas carol Mm -hmm. yeah and then getting if i'm gonna breach into thing other things like if if Batman Returns is on someone's list, I feel like if I'm breaching into like television, I can say Hawkeye would be on one of my lists because mm. I enjoy I enjoy taking it down to more personal stakes to street level stuff. I know people have problems with the pacing and Fisk's use in there, but like I just liked something that was a little bit more lighthearted. I also grew up on a lot of Doctor Who Christmas specials, and some of those are some of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who. Specifically, one of my favorites is in the last little stint of David Tennant's era as the Doctor. He ends up in England in
0: 1851 and runs into another man who thinks he's the Doctor. Oh, played by um,
2: David Morrissey. David from Morrissey. Walking Dead. Yeah. And that was just really kind of heartwarming because it's about him helping him find his life but also the doctor confronting his own sadness of not having his friends around anymore so movies and a lot of other things but there's christmas has always been more than just like feature movies and if i'm talking specials you have to say a charlie brown christmas oh of course it's yeah
0: it is the gold standard for holiday specials I think it was their very first one too, wasn't it?
2: I think so. I think, so. Too.
0: I, think yeah. so too. I will tag in now, and a lot of this will sound familiar, especially from RCB's list, and we didn't cheat either. Uh, alphabetical order, because I don't like to rank things. Uh, Elf. And the thing that surprised me the most about Elf, and I'd, I, had, at that point in time, I'd seen pretty much most of Favreau's major works. But the fact that it was without guile, it was a clean Christmas movie, aside from, you know, the date rape uh, Christmas duet. <laughs> Baby.
1: Okay, I think that is overplayed, that comment <laughs>
0: I know, I know. But you got to admit, though, in the age of Me Too, somebody did a sketch about that. I Actually, I think our sketch comedy group... Sketchy when, uh, which Susan Isaacs uh, taught the class for that. They did a version of that. I I guess it was, it had to have been after Elf. But I mean, once once you once you see that, you can't unsee it. But still, Zoe Deschanel is at her most charming. Will Ferrell is a real curiosity because. He's made, he he became famous, he became a movie star playing these large, over-the-top characters. But what's funny is Terry Gross had him on NPR's Fresh Air, and that's the persona he puts on. And sometimes he'll show up for a talk show in that persona, and when when Terry Gross interviewed him, he showed up as the real Will Ferrell. And it's funny because he talked about his SNL edition and people were thinking like, well, that guy's not funny. And then, you know, when he gets in character, he's hysterical. But (laughs) and that was a great that was a great uh, film for the late James Caan, too, because it was such an if you would say, I'm going to put I'm going to put Will Ferrell and James Caan in the movie as father and son. And the son thinks he's thinks he's an elf, and James Cond has no idea what to do with. I mean, his deadpan series. I mean, I don't think he ever won an Oscar, but he should have because mm-hmm. the man was great. And yeah. I keep thinking one of my students should do shoot a spec commercial. If Sonny Corleone had fast passed, <laughs> this movie <laughs> would have turned out a whole lot different. <laughs> but yeah. Somebody, that- uh
3: i've actually heard that terry gross interview tom and uh-huh. there are two stories that i love from that one was will farrell had just finished snl while shooting that one and he said i was i was hopping around the streets in new york in a big elf costume thinking this could be it
2: <laughs> <laughs> My- and then
3: the other about um about how him he and james Con. It took a while for them to warm up to each other because he's sort of like this tough New York. Guy oh yeah, <laughs> and and, uh, and by the end of the shoot, they got to really like each other. And and Will Ferrell gave him a gift, which was the Godfather trilogy. And he said, "The, fir- the first one's okay, but the second two are amazing." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's hysterical. My my pastor last year we had. Uh, Last year, we had like a pajama Sunday during Advent. So he showed up in a Buddy the Elf onesie. <laughs> nice. And that's the profile picture I use when, when he calls me or I text him. Um, yeah, it's just there's something about that movie that's just plain. And isn't Bob Newhart in that movie? Yes. yes. Uh, national Treasure. I'm going to be. He's still with us. But man, yeah. you know.
2: Ugh. Over the years, it's just been gradually getting sadder. I'm like, oh, Ed Asner's not with us. Oh, James Caan's mm. not with us. And it's like, oh, yeah.
0: And they t- and, and Betty White was taken weeks before her 100th birthday. There's no justice in that. Um, next on my list, <laughs> Klaus. Um, <laughs> and this is back when Netflix used to have reliably have decent original programming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said it because I <laughs> I dropped my account in August, and I got my, my screener code from the WGA, so I'm missing nothing. But the thing I love the most about Klaus, aside from great story, beautiful animation, like RCB said earlier, 3D animation's just gotten kind of old because it's everybody's doing about the same thing, and then to see somebody go back to two D animation, beautifully designed, with a with a great story, there were a lot of people upset that that did not win best animated film that year because I think the Disney mafia, the Disney Pixar yeah. mafia, because
2: player. Toy Story four had no soul. Oh,
0: don't get me started on that movie. The only thing good about that movie was Duke Kaboom. Everything else was garbage. In my, I, I take that back. Uh, Tony Hale used to go to church this. tony hale was a congregant at the same church where zach and i attended so forky was fun but still hey let's do a buddy movie let's do a buddy movie comedy without the buddies (laughs) what were they thinking um
3: i've warmed up to that one a little bit more only because my my son watched it on repeat for a while and i was like oh okay but i remember at the time thinking like this is the most This is the
0: okayest movie of 2019.
3: What, Klaus?
0: No, Toy Story Oh, Toy Story 4? Oh, yeah. Well, my goddaughter, Lily Kate, loves that movie, which is Mm. good because I forgot to respond to my Disney Movie Club card that month and got it sent automatically. So (laughs) guess what she got for Christmas? (laughs) Um, uh, Keeping up with the uh, alphabetical order, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. I love the Muppets. This was the first appearance of Kermit the Frog, sans uh, Jim Henson. So you know that the Tiny Tim future story has a lot of extra resonance because it's like oh, Jim Henson's gone. But putting Michael Caine as Scrooge, I, that just you know, I'm curious. Evidently, Disney on Disney Plus exclusively. There is the special edition of the movie because they cut a musical number, and then but they didn't. The footage was still around, and of course, you know, I'm surprised they haven't re, they didn't re release it for the anniversary this year. But the only way you can see it is on Disney Plus with the with the cut number integrated into the full movie. So I will be watching that uh, sometime within the next week and a half. Interesting. Uh, number four. I'm surprised nobody else has said this planes, trains and automobiles.
3: Uh, well, I think I think we probably would have if we knew it wasn't just Christmas.
0: I, I said was. holiday movies. I know. <laughs> so, and uh, I just
3: rewatched that one too. I
0: need to rewatch it. I probably should. I still have the, the my Blu-ray is still factory sealed, so I I'm, I'm thinking about just buying the 4K Blu-ray and then somebody can get a nice Christmas gift, but just My favorite use of the F word ever, Edie McClurg and Steve Martin at the rental car counter. Oh my gosh! (laughs) One scene, one scene, which pretty much guaranteed it got an R rating because I lost how many count of how many times Steve Martin drops the F bomb. But Edie McClurg's response is just so apropos, and of course the other great, my other two favorite scenes in the movie are when you're going the wrong way. How do you know, which, how does he know which way we're going? And then, because John Candy's driving on the wrong side of the road and then Steve Martin looks at him has a vision of him as the devil. <laughs> and then of course the pillows scene and that's all I'll say if you've seen it. If you know, you know. <laughs> um, and then number five, Shazam! Which is set at Christmas. It didn't open till like Marchish, but it's a fun Christmas movie, and uh, just I wish they hadn't gone so dark with the uh, with the seven deadly sins or whatever they called them in the movie because it got a little dark for them. But otherwise, it was a great fun romp, and that last you know the big surprise at the winter carnival when we we meet the Shazamily for the first time. And the entire Shazamily, which is uh, from appropriated from the Jeff Johns run of the of the Shazam reboot. I have a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, first, Jingle All the Way, <laughs> which uh, just the pitch for that movie. And I think originally the the elusive toy was going to be a Power Rangers toy, but they couldn't for you know trademark whatever, so they just invent Turbo Tom. <laughs> but just, you know, Arnold versus Sinbad, it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> and a reminder for everybody to get their Christmas shopping done early. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the other one is another another Netflix movie back when they used to have great originals consistently. Christmas Chronicles. I don't think I've seen the sequel yet. Oh, yeah. But Christmas Chronicles, a.k.a. Hot Santa. Um. Yeah. I grew up, RCB and I talked about this the other night. I grew up watching Kurt Russell Disney movies. And so he was always, you know, one of my childhood, you know, heroes in movies. It's kind of ironic that he, here he is still, you know, he's done some, you know, a handful of Disney movies as an adult. But um, it was such a great movie. It was just a fun, fun family movie, great production values and what I thought was the, 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 uh, the, the cherry on top was the fact that Goldie Hawn made, I, and I, I don't think it's credited either, but an uncredited cameo is Mrs. Claus. And as we know, they are longtime partners. And uh, so, yeah, those are, those are some of the movies that bring me some holiday cheer let us circle back and talk about uh it's a wonderful life and maybe a little bit of uh, a christmas story. Um we'll take the latter first. I recently watched a christmas uh a christmas story christmas an origin an HBO Max original. Um this is the third sanctioned follow up to a christmas story. There was a summer story, there was a christmas story too. Um I think a summer story had one of the colkin Kids in it don't. I I think they cloned them, but I can't remember if it was Kieran or or the other one. Right. Not Macaulay, but those Sorry. nobody, nobody, nobody bothered. You know, those movies did not generate any buzz. And a summer story was actually based on another short story from Gene Shepherd's book. In God, we trust all others pay cash. But the cool thing about a Christmas story, Christmas is basically. Only one person who's still alive didn't come back, and that was uh, Melinda Dillon has retired from acting, so she gave them her blessing, and they recast the role with Julie, I think it's Julie Haggerty from the Airplane movies.
3: cool. I love Julie Haggerty.
0: (laughs) But it was basically uh, the plot engine. Uh, Ralphie's grown up, played by Peter Billingsley, who also, he uh, executive produced and he co-wrote the story. With the director, and uh, th- and another writer uh, also helped, but um, Ralphie gets word from his mom that the old man has died, and so he and his wife and their two kids go back to his childhood home, and he is bound and determined to give his kids the same kind of Christmas his dad gave him, and of course everything goes wrong because it's you know a <laughs> Christmas story Christmas, but it. Very well produced uh, You know, all the kids from the original are, Who are grown-ups in, Including the brother who's basically retired from acting But he came back for this But it's it's a worthy Finally a worthy successor to A Christmas Story While keeping the spirit of the original And Darren McGavin's presence is felt And I thought it was a, a, a really Really great, you know, brand extension Because it it, it wasn't just Assembled on a factory floor <laughs> like many of the movies we've been talking about by certain studios um uh, it, it it was uh, there was a lot of tlc put into it so if you haven't seen it i recommend you check it out i got a little for toward the end um and then um but yeah the uh a christmas story i watched it or i recorded it when it first i missed it in theaters but recorded it when it first came out on home video and, I think, HBO, of course. And it's just, you know, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> so, and I'm a huge Darren McGavin fan from Colchak the Night Stalker, great. Uh, there were two movies written by Richard Matheson and then a one-season show that creeped me out when I was a kid. But, man, he was great. And mm. just love the movie.
2: Mm. I think for me with this movie, especially it's the one that I associate the most with watching with other people. And like, I'll watch this with my mom around Christmas time. And I know the, th- like the words or the lines that are going to get her to laugh because they ended up being the things that make me laugh. One of my favorite bits of narration in the movie is some men are Baptist, some men are Catholics. My father was an Oldsmobile guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, But it's also just like really lovely memories that i have watching this like with my mom's side of the family when we used to spend christmas together and the last christmas i season that i was um well actually the holiday season that i was in azusa at college i was in a play called the good war and our director at one point had mentioned a christmas story and one person in our cast had said they had never seen it what she she was so like shocked that when she handed out our cast gifts she handed him the movie and said you all have to watch it with him so after our final performance everyone came over to the house me and another one of my buddies in the show were renting and I had baked some stuff for the holidays and we sat down in the living room and watched it. And it's just one of those lovely experiences of like, this is something that just created a communal experience. And then when you have someone who is in college, who's never seen it, some of the dated phrases of it are really funny to see someone react to that the first time. Mm. So I just have an overall great memory of this of this movie and what it brings in the holiday season i'm sorry it doesn't bring you that zach one of the it actually doesn't it it doesn't not bring me a
3: happy memory because when i was introduced to it um and actually speaking of uh of a christmas carol which i know we're going to talk about later um uh so kia and i met on a kia is my wife and we met as actors we were both cast in a show um it was a musical touring version of a christmas carol i was cast as bob cratchit and she was cast as mrs cratchit and uh fell in love with her on that tour and um uh yeah so we were we were playing husband and wife and then later we became husband and wife but um on the bus we had long long days on the bus. And so, you know, occasionally we would just stop at the store and buy movies and and one of the ones that they bought was a Christmas story. And so that was the first time that I saw it. Um it's a little hard to watch it on a bus. Um but especially with little children around. Um but uh because we did have a few kids in the show. But uh, I do have fond memories of the movie insofar as it was very cemented in that time of you know sort of the high of performing in this show which was a big deal to me at the time and also the high of uh
1: of uh, meeting my wife so i do have fond memories of it
0: how about you Rise?
1: i mean i loved it as a kid i saw it early on and i loved it as a kid and i'm not gonna say i don't enjoy it still I can enjoy it playing it in my head, though, because <laughs> TNT and then TBS has their 24 hours of oh, yeah. Christmas story. So it's like every Christmas for years, <laughs> I would see it multiple times. And I, I, I still like it, but I guess I'm just, I'm plagued with too good of a memory. And the problem is now that it's like, it's 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 overkill. I've, I've, I don't feel the desire to put it on because even if it's been a year since I've seen it, I feel like I have it ingrained in my mind. So it's never going to be my go-to choice. Um, but I recognize that it's it's great. I mean, if I if I were stuck watching it, I would still probably laugh at it in each of the, you know, episodic moments within it. They're, they're, it's it's a classic. It's undeniably a classic. Um, yeah, I, I just think I burnt out on it. That's all.
0: Sure. sure. And... Um... I rewatched It's a Wonderful Life last year, and it really, it, it's interesting, you, you almost, I haven't, I've never really researched the movie, but it's really kind of a dark movie. I mean, the dude's about to commit suicide when his guardian angel shows up and gives him this view of what the world would be, you know, what the world would be like if he hadn't been born, and of course it would have been terrible. Um, it's kind of a twist on a Christmas carol, but it's fascinating that, you know, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong, but I think people forget how dark it really is.
1: Yeah. that That's another one that I love it. I really do, but it's not going to be my first choice, even though, you know, it's in the public domain. So it's another one you see on TV a lot.
0: Uh, not but, anymore because, okay. uh, Paramount, Paramount, uh, or Republic Pictures, which was acquired by Paramount, eventually uh, exercised the copyright on the music. So when they did that, when they renewed the music copyright, they snatched it back from all those, you know, UHF stations that were airing it at Christmas time. That was yeah. actually a joke on the sitcom I worked on at the Family Channel in the early nineties. I whole, used to
1: say, in my, in my childhood, it was one of those ones where you could regularly see it.
0: Everywhere. I,
1: if I sat down and watched it, like, I love Frank Capra. I, I will, you know, defend him to the end. But it is one of those ones that if it comes on during Christmas and you catch the wrong scene, it's a downer. It really is. And I love it. If you watch the whole thing from beginning to end, it's very uplifting. But, yeah, if you, if you come in on the bridge scene, it, it can really – you know or the the bank scene or there's just a lot that it's heavy it's really heavy so it's not something whereas a christmas story any scene that comes on you can turn it on in the middle of the movie and just start watching and watch a scene and enjoy it and then go back to your eggnog or whatever you're doing with your family it's not it's not a great movie to have on in the background even if it was one that was regularly on tv so i have memories as a child where people would be like oh this is on let's watch this and i'd watch a scene and be like why am I depressed right now? Mm. So it's amazing and I will defend it and love it, but also don't want to, in the middle of my festivities, just casually watch it.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. I know for me, um, uh,
3: I that was a movie that I saw later in life. I, I think I was 29 when I saw it for the first time. Um, Kia and I had just moved to Los Angeles. Um, we're, we're back in Minnesota now. Um, but, uh, yeah, we watched it then and, um, I had no idea, you know, for the first half of the movie, I'm like, there's no Christmas at all. And I'm like, I thought this was a Christmas movie. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly, it is one of my favorites and for, for, for a lot of the reasons, as you were saying, uh, Reza, it was, um, it's one that I could probably only watch every other year because there are there are themes that are just so heavy that just kind of resonate very deeply with me. And, um, I like having those feelings. Um, but, but there's some times where it just, like you say, it can, it can hit you, in the, hit you in the wrong mood or, or, you know, um, you may not be ready for the, uh, for the impact that it has on you. All um, the feels. Yeah. Um, but also I was, I was thinking too, just the fact that it was, um, you know, it was a box office failure in its time. And it was actually mm-hmm. the public domain TV viewings that rescued it from complete obscurity, yeah. uh, which, uh, you know, thank God for that. Uh, cause it, cause it is certainly one of my favorite movies and, and I'm, I'm actually writing a, a Christmas movie right now. So I'm, I'm focusing on, you know, just kind of like, just poking around Christmas movie history for <laughs> sort of the, the best of the best and you know kind of examining the tropes and all those sorts of things but um but yeah uh yeah amazing amazing movie and so funny and so many uh one of the things that the movie does so well is they there are so many characters in it mm-hmm. and the, the way they present these characters in just like I I don't know, just like the way they keep all the balls in the air, you know, so that when they pop up again, you're like, you feel like you've known this person who's only maybe had like, you know, a total of two minutes of screen time or less, but you feel like you've known this person their whole life. Like, you know, like uh, George Bailey has, or, um, you know, the way they capture that is just nothing short of magic to me.
0: Definitely we we're starting we're nearing our end uh real quickly everybody give a recommendation of one or two things to watch over the holidays no no need for them to be holiday themed rcb you go first
2: i would say go on disney plus and watch one of the most non cranked out product things that feels so empty really if you want to watch something that feels great watch andor because, my gosh, I did not know Star Wars could make me feel this impressed or moved anymore. And I'm really kind of sad that I don't think I'm going to enjoy Mandalorian or anything else as much. Just because I now know where the bar is set. Mm-hmm. But that's just a testament to how great Andor is. So watch that. If you want something a little bit more lighthearted, go on Hulu and watch Only Murders in the Building.
0: Cool. Rise how about you?
1: Oh, mine's going to be kind of obscure or random. Just recently, actually, what's today? Thursday? Mm-hmm. On Tuesday on Blu-ray, a South Korean film was released called The Roundup, um, which I know not a lot of people will have access to it, but it's, it's the second in a series of films. It's kind of South Korea's lethal weapons, if you will, action comedy. The first one's actually based on some real events. It's called The Outlaws, and that one's available for free on Tubi. And if you like that one, seek out the Roundup, which is a sequel, and they have two more in the works in 2023 and 2024. There's two more sequels that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Just great action comedy if you're if that's your your thing. Cool.
0: How about you, Zach?
1: Um. Well, uh, one thing I'd
3: recommend in theaters is uh, Steven Spielberg's new movie, The Fablemans. I I loved it more than I
1: possibly thought I could. I Tom, settle
0: down, Tom. I'm going to let let my guests talk. (laughs) We'll have plenty of time. We can discuss my thoughts on that film when we talk about our Oscar stuff.
3: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Um, And right now I'm working my way down the the recently released Sight and Sound poll. So... um, uh, I realized I'd only seen like 33 of the hundred films. So I just kind of started at the top and I'm working my way down. Um, I did watch Jean Dielman all three hours and 20 minutes of it. And, um, I, uh, I thought it was worth it. I, it's not one that I, I could certainly recommend to everybody. Um, but, uh, but I thought it was, I thought it was worth it. Uh, when I, when we got to the, the final moments of it, um, and then, uh, I recently watched Tokyo Story on the Criterion Channel by Ozu, which I really loved. Um, it's based on, kind of inspired by one of my favorite films called Make Way for Tomorrow from 1937, a Leo McCarey film. Um, and then another thing I randomly stumbled on that I missed when it came out was uh, it's on Hulu right now. It's a it's a movie called The Killing of Two Lovers and. Mm it's about uh this estranged couple um who have four children and they're trying to figure out what their future is going to be like and it looks as though the uh the wife is uh dating someone and it is it is way better than i thought it would be based on the trailer and based on the sort of genre i was expecting it had some really excellent performances and um some really surprising twists that moved me in really surprising ways so i would recommend that one it's a very very small movie but it's on hulu right now the killing of two lovers
0: i have two recommendations uh both of them are a little yep. i have two recommendations uh neither neither one is particularly light uh, i just finished binging kindred on fx on hulu and it's based on the octavia butler novel uh warning they've been selling it as a limited series it is not because it only covers half the book but it's about a um an african american woman who starts slipping through time and finds herself on a plantation connected to her family pre-civil war you know decades before the civil war and uh it's really really fine adaptation uh uh, the showrunner slips my his name slips my mind but he worked on watchmen and that won lots of awards and well deserved but it's really interesting the way it examines uh contemporary racial politics as well as you know 19th century racial politics as well as gender roles and and family relationships because our, our hero is, a, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it's interesting. It's like Outlander, but without all the sex. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's fascinating. And it ends at a really interesting point in the story. My friend Libya El was one of the editors. And I'm like, hey, what do you mean? It's like, don't sell it as a limited series if it's not a limited series. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully a little green light ser- season two soon. And the other thing is 1899 on uh, Netflix, which is from the creators of Dark, which if you haven't seen, you need to, because it's amazing. Watch it subtitled in German. Uh, 1899 has lots of subtitles because it's international cast, and there's probably like four to five languages, including English. But it's basically about... Uh, a passenger liner that sets sail for the americas from europe in the year 1899 and they encounter a sister ship which uh, they've lost all contact with and that's when stuff gets weird and it's a brain teaser but it's very cool and also not a, not a limited series so but yeah it's cool and also very bingeable Well, guys.
1: Sorry, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins uh, is Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. I think is the showrunner you were trying to.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. He's uh, he's a playwright and also faculty member at NYU. So, but yeah, he's got the goods because he. I mean, every it's so rare that I see something that I like every aspect of it. The creative, you know, the writing, the acting, the production, and just uh, well done and not triggering. You know, there, there, there is an event that's kind of triggering in in the season finale. But some of the things recently that have dealt with similar topics, it's like, don't I don't want to see that? <laughs> Come on, gee whiz, can we stop making movies about that? But this is really interesting because, uh, you know, great uh, Octavia Butler is kind of an unsung hero, African American female sci-fi writer who's no longer with us. But it's good to see her works being brought to the screen. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for participating on today's show. And everybody have a Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah. Joyeux, Joyeux Noël. Hope my French teacher from high school doesn't hear me mispronounce that. And we will catch up with you in the new year.